Teammate Radio is brought to you by Peaceful Warriors and Teammate Children's Stories, available on Amazon. We are Peaceful Warriors! A is, where's yours at? Or where do you keep yours? And what this pertains to is our word of the week this week. Our word of the week this week is focus. It's one of the biggest words of the week for me because your focus can control every aspect of what you think about things and what you do. So one of the ways that we explain focus, especially to young children, is it's not just about paying attention, right? Because paying attention encompasses a lot of different things. So we like to break it down to four main steps. Watching with the eyes, comes first because it's more difficult to listen to something if you're looking away from it. Your ears are designed to pick up noises coming more from the front side. So watching with the eyes, listening with the ears, obviously, and then most important, probably thinking with the brain, making sure that you're thinking about whatever it is that you're trying to focus on or thinking about what it is that somebody is telling you or thinking about just, just on the topic in general and then doing the right thing, right? Acting on what it is that you pay attention to. Now, the thing about focus that always hits me, and this is where I like to talk to the adults about, is if you don't control where you put your focus, I guarantee you other people are controlling it for you. And other people will control it for you every chance that they get. I mean, that's social media, online, TV, news, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All of that stuff is vying for your attention. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is how much psychology companies and influencers and things like that, how much psychology they study and put into practice in order to play on humans' more animalistic instincts of attention to grab your attention and to hold it and convince you of something, right? So the thing is, is if you're not controlling what you pay attention to, other things will right? And what you pay attention to changes what you see. Now, I know that seems very, very obvious, but let's talk about that for a second. If you have a habit of catastrophizing situations, meaning if you have a habit of automatically jumping to the worst case or looking at how things can go bad, right? And that's the first place you look and you describe things as being terrible or being catastrophes, as the term catastrophizing come from, or things along those lines, then all you're going to see, all you're going to be paying attention to is the bad things that happen, which makes it 40 times more likely that what you're afraid is going to happen will happen. Because when you're paying attention to it, you will subconsciously start to make actions and decisions that lead you in that direction, right? On the other side of things, if you focus on only the positives and only the good things, well, that can be good, of course, but it has a limit, right? If you go too far in that direction, you might start overestimating where you're at or overestimating your own skills or overestimating something along those lines. And then that can quickly become arrogance. Remember that the difference between confidence and arrogance is your ability to do. A confident person knows exactly where their limits are. They know exactly what they can do and they know exactly where they struggle. An arrogant person has no idea what they're good at or not good at. They just assume they're great at things, right? Even if they have no proof of that, right? So if you focus too much completely on the positive things, you can, you can run across the idea where you might end up running into arrogance. But if you control, if you put all your focus on the negative things or the worst case scenario or the bad things that happen, then you're going to start taking action 
that leads to some of those bad things happening. And that's all you're going to be able to see. So my take on focus when I talk to adults about focus is balance, right? I talk about balance in all things. It's one of the meanings of our white belt form. One of our white belt forms is to have balance in all things. I would rather try to not look at the catastrophizing side, not look at the the terribly negative side, and also not look at the overly positive side. Someone told me many, many years ago that if you want to stop being affected by other people's criticism, then one of the things you have to do is you have to stop paying as much attention to praise. And I found that to be absolutely true. If I pay a lot of attention to compliments being given to me and things like that, then the first time someone criticized me, I'm going to have an emotional reaction because I've begun to have emotional reactions to praise. I will begin to have emotional reactions to criticism, right? And that kind of leads to where you start allowing other people's opinions to control your own opinion about yourself. And that is just not a healthy place to be. So one of the things I like to do to balance this out is try not to look at things as good or bad, but instead try to look at things as preferred or not preferred. So this thing could happen. I wouldn't prefer it to happen, but it could. This thing could happen. This is what I would prefer to happen, and it could. And I try to stay as emotionally indifferent about which way it goes as I can. So I try to take what they call that big picture point of view, right? If I look at something and it looks terrible and it looks like it's going to be terribly destructive and negative in my life or something along those lines, and I look too close at that, then that's all I'm going to see. So when I notice I'm doing that, I like to step back and take a look at that really terrible thing I think is, is happening or going to happen or whatever and try to look at that in terms of a one-year timeline or a five-year timeline, right? Like Or like a detail of a painting. You can look at it that way. So you could look at a painting, for example, and say, hey, there's a mistake in the way that they put the crease at the top of a loaf of bread. But then when you look at the whole picture, you don't really notice that, right? Because the bread's here, and then there's all these other things, people eating and whatever else. So I like to try to look at things that I start accidentally catastrophizing in that way. Like, right, take, take, take a big picture look, take a step back, and, and instead of focusing on how terrible it might be or how great it might be, I instead like to focus on what can I do with this? How can I cope with it or how can I turn it into an opportunity, right? And by being able to look at it that way, I'm, I'm able to break down things to their smallest pieces and break them down into a more objective manner by looking at both the big picture and the tiny details without trying to be terribly descriptive about it, right? So I taught myself how to do this by originally writing down things that would bother me, but I would write it down without using any descriptive terms, no adjectives, no curse words, nothing along those lines, nothing nothing descriptive, just a matter-of-fact statement. And when I see my problem put in a matter-of-fact way, it always made it easier for me to get over the emotional catastrophizing and start to look for what can I do about it. So now how does that apply to my day today? Well, it's the whole reason that I'm here home right now. Uh, I would I would be at the studio right now. I was at the studio this morning. I came home because it was time to drain the hot water heater and I had a couple things I need to do at home and I was supposed to go get a blood test and some other things like that. But I went out to take the water hose off of one of those outdoor spigots, right? Got a water hose. It was kind of stuck. So I put a pair of pliers on it and I wrenched on it a couple of times. And then the whole spigot goes shoop and the whole spigot turns. And I thought, oh no, that's not good. And then I thought I heard water running and I was like, oh, that's really not good. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's splashing out of the ground, right? And I've got water running out of the ground. So I run it. We're on, we're on a well. So I run and turn our, our well pump off, unplug our well pump. 
and uh, it slowly stops. So yeah, we're without water. And the reason I'm here right now is because there is a well company that is going to try to get out here to help us out with that. So I may not even make it in time for classes, but I'm going to look at the bright side of that and be like, now I have time to make my cookies, right? For the cookie bake-off. I was worried about being able to get my cookies made. I'm going to make some chewy mint chocolate chips. It's going to be amazing. But I was worried about having time to get all these things done. But it's kind of surprising how when one thing... That, no, of course, I didn't prefer that to happen. So maybe some people would call it a bad thing that I busted the the spigot uh, pipe, you know, where it attaches to the metal line. And no, that's not good. And, and yes, it's going to cost me some money. But instead of looking at it as a terrible thing or a worst case scenario or, oh, my goodness, how am I going to cope with this? I instead tried to look at it as, OK, step one, what can I do about it? Step two, let's start take act to take action towards that. And step three, well, now that that has happened... What virtues do I have? What things on my task list? What can I do to alter around and still make sure that everything gets done? And that is a much healthier way at looking at things, I think, than just thinking, oh, my goodness, this is awful. This is going to cost us arm or leg. You know, and it might. It might. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't know that yet. So why should I stress out about it until I, I know for sure, right? So this comes back to focus, you know. So the bad thing happened, right, the, the not preferred thing. Like I said, I got, I've gotten out of this habit. I, I For the past, like, 10 years, 12 years, I've really tried not to label things as good or bad. I, I've really instead tried to teach myself or train myself to look at things more objectively, to try not to describe them in terms of it's horrible or it's great, right? That allows me to detach from the emotional response a little bit. And as someone that deals with uh, uh, mental health issues and, and things along those lines, it's very helpful for me to try to detach from the massive feeling that I'm feeling so that my brain can operate separate of that emotion rather than dragging that emotion into every thought. Because if I drag a negative emotion into every thought, then all my thoughts become negative and I'm going to start taking actions towards the negative, right? And then that's all I'm going to see. I'm not going to see any opportunities that come along. I'm not going to see the positive things that could happen from that, right? So by looking in the middle and trying to just look at things as they are, as well as just something that happened, it makes it so much easier to be able to look at things objectively and to control your own focus. Like I said at the beginning of this video, if you don't control your inner monologue, then it will control you, right? If you don't control what you pay attention to, then other people are going to control that for you, right? So come back to the inner monologue thing, right? If I don't learn to control my inner monologue and keep it from always going worst case or always going arrogant, and if I can't keep it in the middle, then my emotions, my thoughts, my ideas, my happiness, everything is suddenly dependent on very strong negative emotions. And do you think that I'm going to make good decisions in everything that I run across if I'm completely pulled by strong negative emotions because I have a tendency to have a negatively biased internal monologue, right? Or dialogue. Actually, mine's more of a dialogue than a monologue. I don't know. Call it what you will. But you know, and, it, and it's easy to spot. It's easy to start spotting in yourself because the thing is, is the more negative your internal monologue or dialogue, the more negatively you will tend to describe things when you're talking to other people, when you're talking to friends, the worse you will tend to describe it as in, oh my goodness, this totally awful thing happened today. Well, what happened? Well, I was, uh, I was driving down. I-44 and then I got and then I got a flat tire and it, it was totally awful. And of course, that's not a preferred thing to happen, right? 
But if you're constantly talking in that negative, then you're going to feel that negative emotion long past when you've already fixed the issue, right? Because then you continue to that story. Oh, what happened after that? Well, you know, somebody stopped and, and they helped me change the tire and then I got home safely. Okay, well, you made it sound so bad, but in the end, in the end, everything was okay. So why are you still continuing to carry that negative emotion about about having a flat tire or whatever your case is? Why are you going to continue to carry that negative emotion when the situation is done and dusted and dealt with, right? Once that situation is done and dusted, you got you to try to let go of that emotion. And if that emotion stays, one of the things that helps take away its power is controlling the inner monologue and trying to detach your logical rationalization from your emotional response so that you're not letting your emotions take control of the way that you look at things. Oh, sorry, I had a phone call. I am going to not answer that right now. I can call them later. It's not the septic company. It's not the well company, so it's all good. Um, right? And on the adverse side of that, there's nothing wrong with being optimistic and always trying to look at the positive things. But the fact of the matter is, if you're always trying to look at the positive things, you're always trying to look at positive things, you may not always see things in a realistic point of view, right? And if you're always trying to look at the positive things, you will find that every time you feel something bad or you feel something negative, you're going to feel like a failure, right? If your goal is to always think positively, then every time you think or feel something negatively, you're going to feel like a failure. The goal, I don't think, should ever be to... to suppress emotion. I don't think the goal should ever be to not have positive or negative emotions. I think the goal should be to recognize that those emotions are a part of the human biology and related to past experiences of the body and the brain and to understand that those emotions are there kind of as warning signs, but they don't necessarily have to control the situation that you're in. Your brain can rationalize and decide how it wants to take and look at any particular situation, which is why I described what I did earlier about how one of the things that helped me to stop paying so much attention to criticism to the point that it was breaking me was to stop paying attention as much to the compliments. And actually what I did at first because of that is I started only paying attention to criticism. And this is something I still struggle with today. I have a tendency to only pay attention to criticism, but I've learned to only pay attention to the criticisms that I look at and rationally can go, they got a point. They got a point, right? I have fallen apart in this way. And all of this, all of this stuff I've been talking about for 15 minutes now has to do with your focus, has to do with your ability to pay attention. It has to do with your ability to control what you pay attention to at the same time, right? If you let uh, your favorite social media or your favorite influencer or your favorite TV shows or your favorite books to influence your entire way of thinking. And I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with modeling yourself off of a role model in a book or something along those lines. That's that's really, really healthy. What I'm saying is if you allow everything that you think, believe, have an opinion about, whatever it is, if you allow all of those things to be controlled by what other people put in front of you, then are you really looking at it from your own point of view, from your own virtue, or are you just copying it from other people? Because that's one of the psychological tricks that marketers will use against you is our brain is hardwired to save time on certain things. And one of the ways that we save time 
is social proof, for example. If we see a lot of people we know doing, believing, acting on a certain thing, then we may or may not actually look to have our own opinion on it, but instead just follow the crowd because it's a shortcut, because it takes less time, right, than actually trying to figure it out ourselves, which is one of the things that businesses and massive marketers and influences use to their advantage to steal your focus, right, to take your focus instead of letting you control it yourself. Now, if you're interested in that sort of thing, I have a couple of books I'd like to recommend. I've recommended them before. They're both by Dr. Robert Cialdini. One is called Persuasion and one is called Persuasion. But both of those books are about how different people, businesses and entities and otherwise use different mental shortcuts that all of us as humans have to save time in order to convince us of something that we might not already have been convinced of. Right. And personally, I rebel against that concept. Right. Like personally, I don't want to think that all of my ideas and everything else are copied from somewhere else. I want to make sure that I'm always bringing my own spin onto things to be in particular. And that has to do also with a video I put out on Instagram earlier today where I was talking about. um Oh, I've kind of lost it. Oh, that uh it's OK to not have an opinion. Right. And one of the things I learned a long time ago while I was studying focus was to stop identifying who I was by what opinions I held. This was something I learned about 20 years ago to stop identifying myself based on the opinions that I have and to stop identify, you know, stop using my opinions to describe who I am as a person. Instead, about 20 years ago, I started putting the focus more on virtues, right? Things that I think are admirable in other people, such as emotional resilience, physical endurance, um, their ability to focus, their self-discipline, their compassion, things along those lines, right? The, the virtues instead of opinions. Because if you base your whole identity off of what your opinions are and things along those lines, then anytime you're faced with any new information, anytime you're faced with anyone else, it begins to be, you, you'll have an emotional response. You'll respond emotionally as if you are personally being attacked or as if you are, you know, personally being, being hurt by this new information as if your integrity is being attacked because whatever information is in front of you is not matching what your opinion is. That is the danger. That is the danger of identifying yourself with an opinion. And 20 years ago, I learned it is okay to not have an opinion. It is okay to not pick sides. It is okay to not know things about everything. And it is perfectly okay to admit ignorance. And in that way, if you can learn to do that, then you can learn to stop having your own personal identity tied with your ideas and your opinions, right? Because if you if you tie your identity with your opinions and your current knowledge, then what do you expect is going to happen when knowledge is gained past that? Axel, would you grab that door for me real quick? All right. Looks like the well people are here, so I'm going to have to jump off here. But remember, keep control of your focus or someone else will control it for you, right? You don't have to base your identity off of your opinions. You can, you can be your own person, right? And by what I think personally is I decided to put all my focus, eyes, ears, brain, and body, not on identifying with my opinions, because then, like I say, then it feels like, you know, there's an emotional attack anytime there's a difference of opinion. But instead, I decide to put my value in virtues that I find admirable, that I learned from reading fantasy books and things like that. I modeled after that, such as uh, compassion 
and and respect and using your strengths to to stick up for other people and things along those lines. So anyway, I got to go. So until I see you guys again, be the best teammate you can be and be the best at being you. Teammate Radio is brought to you by Peaceful Warriors and Teammate Children's Stories, available on Amazon. We are Peaceful Warriors!